1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, how you feeling,
2: brother? Oh, we
3: are feeling good. I'm doing great. I got one question, one question only. How you doing? Well, I feel good, and I'm doing well. Uh, That is awesome to hear, and as always, it is awesome to have you with us on the DA Show. Final hour of this Thursday morning. Andrew Bogish in for DA. Your Thursday, Thursday toasts continue over this final hour. We'll talk some U.S. women's soccer later this hour as well. But we begin our fourth and final hour, as promised, talking about college expansion, conference realignment, and changes Almost by the hour, it feels like. And one of the men on top of all of the news is Brett McMurphy of the Action Network. And Brett was with us here this morning on CBS Sports Radio. Brett, it is Andrew. Thanks so much for waking up early. We appreciate it. How are you today? Great. How are you doing? Uh, Doing well. We've already talked this morning uh, about the story you posted at the Action Network yesterday. Exactly what is Notre Dame doing when it comes to Stanford and Cal possibly joining the ACC?
2: Uh, they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to bring him on board, which is somewhat frustrating for the ACC schools because Notre Dame is is not a full member. They are an ACC member in everything but football. They have a scheduling agreement where they play five ACC teams annually, and then they're also um, part of the ACC bowl structure, so they are guaranteed an ACC um, bowl tie-in each year. Uh, But they're not a full football member. But they want to bring in Cal and Stanford as full members to the ACC. Uh, The presidents voted on that last night. Excuse me. They did not vote on that last night. No vote was taken. You never vote unless it's going to pass. You never offer somebody a job unless they're going to take it. So the the support, at least through last night, is there is not enough there to bring on Cal Cal or Stanford. Um, And so I expect the ACC presidents to continue to discuss it uh, today, maybe even Friday, and then see if they finally get to a point where they're going to add them or just say, look, we're not going to add them. Let's let's move on. And then you got the case of SMU, which, you know, sources told me that they're so desperate to get to a power five conference and leave the American that they'd be willing to go between five and seven years without receiving any revenue. From the ACC, which is unheard of. Uh, certainly, their their donors would would take you know, in theory would would fund the the program and take care of all that, that money that they usually would get. Um, but that's how desperate they are to get to a Power Five league. Um, that has not obviously been um, approved by by the ACC president. So I think I think the ACC probably wants to get this wrapped up by the end of the week and just make a decision and then move on and then wait and see what happens with uh, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, et cetera, and see if they they try to get out of the league at some point.
3: Let me go back to Notre Dame for a second. You've already touched on this, but a, a, a longer thought here. With all of these changes, all of this moving around, are they even a millimeter closer to giving up their independence, or are they still old school, old thought Notre Dame?
2: No, they're not any closer. Um, they're going to remain an independent, I think, until, you know, to, I think there's two, two things that could move Notre Dame to a conference. One is if somehow the college football playoff requirement to getting into the playoff would require conference membership of some, some type, where the independents would be squeezed out and have no pathway to the playoff. That's never going to happen because the SEC will never la- la- happen because Greg Sankey knows that if that's ever the way the playoff is formatted, then Notre Dame would have to join a conference, and that more than likely would be the Big Ten. So Sankey's never going to allow something that's hmm. going to push Notre Dame to the Big Ten. That's one, one way they could become a, a joint a conference. The other one is, is if the money – between staying an independent and joining a conference is there's such a great gap there that they determine they need to do that for financial reasons. Then I think Notre Dame would look at a conference. But again, Notre Dame's it's always about the money. But with Notre Dame, they prefer to be an independent. That's something they they treasure, and you know they like having the flexibility of being able to do their own schedule of not having to play a 13th uh, game for a conference championship. You know, when the college football playoff um, came out, you know, with the, 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 um, the model that, well, you know, this, the 12-team playoff going forward, the top six conference champs would get an automatic bid, and everybody said, oh, they're forcing Notre Dame to be in a conference. And I said, no, it's just the opposite. Notre Dame looks at it like, look, if we're one of the top 12 teams in the country, We will get into the playoff, and then, you know, more times than not, if they do get into that playoff, then they will host that first-round game. So then they'll bring in, you know, millions of dollars to the South Bend community, which is basically an extra home game. And then if they win that, then they're in the, you know, they're in the final eight, and then they go from there. So that's kind of their their 13th game. Their conference championship game would be the the playoff opener, and it would be played at – you know, more times than not be played at South Bend. So I know everybody wants to come up with reasons why Notre Dame will be forced into a conference, but yeah, I don't think any of these moves or potential moves by the ACC is going to do it. And I don't see anything at least in the near future, that's going to push Notre Dame into a conference.
3: Brett McMurphy of the action network is with us here this morning on CBS sports radio. Uh, As you said, there was no vote last night amongst ACC presidents about Stanford and Cal, but do we have any idea actually how much support in that room there is for adding those two schools? Uh,
2: It appears, you know, there's 15 voting members, including Notre Dame. So I I think they have, I think they have a slight majority right now, somewhere between, between eight, maybe as many as, as 10 or 11. Uh, But you need 12, you need 75%. And so they need 12 votes. Twelve yeses, if you will, and they're not there yet. So, um, you know, like anything else, people can be swayed. People can can flop on their initial positions. But um, right now, it appears they're, you know, anywhere from, you know, two to four votes short of getting that, uh, getting the support to bring in Cal and Stanford. And kind of another unknown is, um, you know, is this just So much has been made about Cal and Stanford, and I haven't been able to get get a clear answer on this. Is this just simply to bring Cal and Stanford in, or is this to bring all three of them in? Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly, I don't see any scenario where the ACC would not bring in Cal and Stanford and then bring in SMU instead. I think it's, it's either Cal and Stanford by themselves, or it's all three of them but I don't see any scenario where it's SMU only and not Calum Stanford.
3: And SMU seems to be very popular right now. Is that because they're not asking you for money or because they bring the Dallas market? What's, what's the, (laughs) what what is the, what's the draw for SMU? If you're one of these, one of these leagues.
2: Yeah. So, you know, you you got a great gig going. So somebody comes to you and says, I'll work for you for five years. You don't have to pay me anything. You'll be like, well, okay, I may consider you now, you know? (laughs) Uh, So, that's kind of how they're looking at it. And, yeah, I mean, look, they are <clears throat> excuse me, they would be in the Dallas market. You know, there's some diff, varying theories on, you know, how much do you really bring in the Dallas market? You know, they are not the number one um, draw in the Dallas market. I live in Tampa. You know, USF's here in Tampa. Do they have the Tampa market? They're in Tampa, but they're not the number one option for sports fans. And th- this is not a, a diss on USF or, or SMU. Um but you you know you would open up a new market that you're not currently in, so that is attractive um but it's not like bringing in the University of Texas or bringing in texas a and m as far as the impact it would have with the a c c but then there is the you know the potential of well the a c c network um could draw some additional eyeballs in the state of Texas. what is that worth? so I think it's a combination of that um but yeah certainly the <laughs> what makes them a most attractive is that they're willing to just come in scot-free for the next, for the first, you know, five to seven years. Um, So then that money would be ESPN has to pay the ACC, the same amount per school for any new additions, which is about 33 to 35 million. So that money would then be distributed among the remaining league members. Um, divide however that's divided up but then you know you're dividing that up by 14 or 15 members so yeah it's 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 okay but it's not significant you know a couple million here there um is that enough to bring on another school and then you've got increased travel cost um you know which could eat up some of that some of that additional revenue so you know it's it's a unique position smu's taken um i give them credit they're looking, you know, thirty years down the road. They're not looking one or two years down the road. Ultimately, though, I think they're going to need Cal and Stanford to get in for them to have a shot.
3: Does any combination of these three schools adding them does that do anything to ease Florida State's frustration with the ACC?
2: Uh, it's not frustration with the ACC. It's frustration with the revenue distributed within the ACC. And no, I don't think it. I don't think it does anything. I've been. I've been told, you know, they they at the May uh, ACC meetings here in Amelia Island, you know, I reported about the magnificent seven, the seven schools that, you know, met trying to increase, you know, revenue distribution within the the biggest brands. Uh, but ultimately, you know, FSU, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, everyone else, they just they want to get, uh, you know, they feel they're at a huge disadvantage because, you know. The SEC, the Big Ten, um, annually will have you know up to thirty million dollars more in media rights revenue and overall revenue. And so every year that that those guys are in the ACC, um, their buddies and pals in the in the Big Ten and SEC are, are making thirty million more than them. And you know over five ten years, that's pretty substantial. And so um, even if you bring in these these new additions. Um, you know like i said espn would pay the same amount you could dis- distribute that money among the the other schools and it's it's a few million here or there but still it doesn't it doesn't close that 30 million gap much and their tv rights deal has been you know obviously everyone knows about this by now it's through 2036 mm. so there's really nothing you can do and i think you know changing the revenue distribution or you know Rewarding teams a little bit more for going to college football playoff or bringing in these schools, so schools may make an extra two or three million. Uh, you know, the way I've heard it described to me is it's like putting a band-aid on a shotgun wound. Um, it, it's not going to do much good, and it's not going to del- It's not going to stop the inevitable, and that is these guys eventually getting out to hopefully get the greener pastures in either the SEC or Big Ten.
3: Brett, what is the what's the end game in all of this in your mind? We've discussed this week on the show Chip Kelly talking about eventually, you know, why can't football be its own thing? Kind of set up like the NFL. Uh, I guess there's been a little tiny bit of speculation that at some point schools will realize that all of this crisscrossing the country travel is not sustainable, and we might then start to shift back to more geographical sense in terms of leagues. Where, where do you see this five, ten years from now?
2: Uh, I, you know, it, it would be, dry. I, I agree with Chip and I think um, Rick Pitino kind of said something similar. Why does football just break away and let's just regionalize all the Olympic sports? And that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, unfortunately it's not that easy to do that. I think uh, not necessarily five years from now, but maybe 10 years or, or a little bit more, I think we we get to a point where basically these football programs are no longer affiliated with universities, which sounds weird, but basically they just they break free kind of like what chip's describing, and that you know the, the University of Alabama football program um will still play in Tuscaloosa and will still you know have the uniforms and logos and all that good stuff, but they'll kind of be separate from the school and so that way um you know the Olympic sports can kind of do their own thing within the SEC. And then, you know, we're making all these moves because the conferences want the best brands in their league. Well, if you if you break football away, then you could say, if you're the SEC, you could go to Vanderbilt and say, hey, we love you guys, but, you know, our, our football federation now um, is separate from the SEC. You will remain an SEC member in every sport but football, but in football, um, you know, you're not going to be included, and then the SEC potentially could bring in other big-name football programs to be part of that football group. But then the non-football sports would kind of be regionalized, kind of like the old days, and, and do their own thing. So I think that's a little bit further down the road, but I think it's a real possibility, and that also, you know, helps solve the big problem with Title IX, you know, mm-hmm. where equal funding and shares for men's and women's sports. When you take football out of that equation, um, then it's a lot easier to, to balance everything as far as Title IX. Um, you know, will we get there? Possibly. Um, I think the the end game is the Big Ten and the SEC have 20 or 24 members, and it's like the NFC, AFC, and each each conference you know crowns a champ, and then the the two the two champs will play in college football Super Bowl, and that'll be the national playoff.
3: Oh, Brad, it's a lot to process. Thank you for helping us this morning. We appreciate it. And obviously we will talk to you again soon because this is far from, from being over. So thanks again. We'll talk to you, uh, I'm sure, maybe just a couple of weeks from now, man. Thanks again. Thank you. That's Brad McMurphy, Action Network, as plugged in as anybody. Uh, I mean, this story has changed all four days we've been on the air this week, but with some kind of new wrinkle, new development. Uh, and I hadn't heard the specific idea of, this, of the football programs really separating from the schools. Um you know, I would need to know more about how that would particularly work with, like, going to class and being a student still and playing football. But, I mean, that to me is the way this should end up going, is that football is its own thing, with its own rules, its own setup, and everybody else can stay where they're supposed to stay in terms of geography and tradition and history and rivalry and all that good stuff. Uh, when we come back, we got get an update from Schwartz. Then we'll finally talk some women's soccer. Been efforting this guest, all guests, for four days and she's finally here. Lisa Carlin, CBS Sports, after this on CBS Sports Radio. It's the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks again to Brett McMurphy of the Action Network for joining us last segment. In just a few minutes, we'll talk U.S. women's soccer, the World Cup, with Lisa Carlin of CBS Sports, part of the attacking third on the Galazzo Network. Uh, we're happy to finally talk some soccer with you here. It's been a long time, feels like, since Sunday morning when the US bowed out to Sweden on PKs. The tournament continues. A lot to discuss with Lisa here momentarily. We'll get headlines in just a second. And there's still plenty of time for more booskies on this Thirsty Thursday. Buttercup Dickerson, better known as At Roxy Flanagan68. Top of the morning to you, fellas. I'm toasting the mere thoughts of a Boyle Caserta doubleheader. Two fingers crossed emojis. Who do we got to bribe to get that rocket ship off the ground? Hashtag the dream team. Hashtag Booskies. Hashtag Toastos. Booskies. Well, Roxy, keep your pants on. I'm sorry to get everybody riled up. I was just thinking out loud. It dawned on me out of nowhere that next Friday, no DA, no me. So I was just wondering aloud who was going to host. I threw out Boyle. Uh, Pete mentioned Caserta. We said, could it be a Boyle and Caserta show? It could be neither. It could be one, the other, both. It could be none of them. We don't. Pete should know. He doesn't. I don't know. So I'm sorry for getting you all geeked up. But hopefully, something that makes you guys happy will come your way next Friday. Because I don't think Da is going to work. Because oh, I'm not, he's yeah, off. he's off. Yeah, and I'm not coming back early for that. So it's going to be somebody. And if it's Boylan or Caserta, you're welcome in advance. Again, Lisa Carlin in just a second. Why don't we get headlines now? Here's Peter Schwartz again.
4: All right, folks, in his Phillies debut last Thursday, Michael Lorenzen picked up the win, giving up two runs and six hits over eight. So what could he do for an encore last night in his home debut against the Nationals? Outfield shaded to the opposite field against the lefty Smith. The 3-2 pitch, swing and a high fly ball. Center
2: field coming in is Rojas. He's calling. He has got it! Yeah. Lorenzen leaps into the arms of Real Muto. And the Phillies pile out of the dugout in front of the mound. They celebrate a no-hitter tonight
4: by Michael Lorenzen in his second start as a Philly. That was Scott Franski on Phillies Radio. The Phillies beat the Nationals 7-0. Michael Lorenzen, the 14th no-hitter in Phillies history. Early on, he tells NBC Sports Philadelphia things weren't going that well.
1: Honestly, I was upset at myself
3: for those first couple of innings. They were long innings, walking guys. And I knew, like, oh, man, I just ruined my chances to go deep in this game. (laughs) And I had a couple quick ones, um, so I just kept trying to make them quick. Lorenzen struck
4: out five, walked four through 124 pitches. Now to Arizona, where the Dodgers and Diamondbacks were scoreless in the eighth inning. A two-ball, one-strike pitch from Nelson. Swing on, base hit right field. Freeman's going to score. They're going to send Smith. Here comes the throw to the plate from Carroll. Smith slides. He's safe. A two-out, two-run single for David Peralta. And the Dodgers lead it 2-0. As Tim Neverett on Dodgers radio, the Dodgers beat the Diamondbacks 2-0. Other games yesterday, the Mariners over the Padres 6-1. Angels beat the Giants 4-1. The win to Shohei Otani, his 10th. Alex Verdugo, a two-run double. And the Red Sox 4-3 win over the Royals. The Mets beat the Cubs 4-3. Pete Alonzo with his 35th. Home run! George Springer's first inning homer—the only run of the game. The Blue Jays beat the Guardians one to nothing. The Tigers topped the Twins nine to four. Josh Bell homered from both sides of the plate in the Marlins' five-four win over the Reds. More reaction to the reported suspension of Orioles broadcaster Kevin Brown, legendary play-by-play announcer Al Michaels weighing in during an interview with ESPN's Outside the Line. Uh, I agree. There should be a suspension here. They should suspend the doofus. That's suspended
3: Kevin Brown. I'm on Team Doofus. Yes. Let's Team normalize Doofus. Doofus. Use it as much as possible. <laughs> um, did you guys see what happened at Fenway last night? Somebody suggested it be in sound check today. But <laughs> it, it doesn't... There's it, The sound's not good enough to play just as sound. What happened was... Uh, whoever was up for the Royals at a ball, lined for the left field. Masataka Yoshida went back. It was over his head. You hear a crash. And then like an ooh from the crowd... And then you see Yoshida looking around for the ball, turning backwards, turning forwards, left, left and right. Can't find it. The ball perfectly went through the first red light signaling one out at Fenway. Perfect hit. Boom. Right through the plastic cover. Didn't break the light bulb, just the cover. Yoshida eventually walks in, takes the ball out of the green monster. It's a ground rule double. Could not have tried to do it. If you were trying to, you would have never done it in a million tries. This is basically a direct bullseye to the first out light bulb in the in the green monster. There
4: are no highlights from the uh, Red Sox game in the system.
3: Oh, I mean, no, one would they wouldn't have cut that. They wouldn't have cut that. They might have cut, like, a game-winning home run from that. But yeah. the Grand Slam that was in there, but they weren't going to cut a right social media fun play from the third <laughs> inning. Uh So, uh, Kevin Brown
4: expected to return to the and Orioles booth Friday night when the Orioles play the Mariners in Seattle. Football today's Jets-Panthers joint practice in Carolina canceled because of weather and safety concerns. Basketball, the Knicks reportedly finalizing a four-year, $81 million extension with guard Josh Hart. And from college basketball, UConn guard Paige Beckers cleared to play. It was a little more than a year ago when she underwent ACL surgery on her left knee. And there you go.
3: All right, Pete, thanks so much. Again, it's a Thursday, Thursday here on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. We've got a little more than a half an hour left to read through more of your toes. So send them to us at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogus. Uh, your epic fail is coming up shortly, of course. Poll results, advanced analytics. Uh, but I need to apologize in advance. I have opened up a can of worms. Uh, guys, we can't do this. We cannot put more work on Pete's plate. You guys know this, right? He's got enough to do, enough importance, enough interviews. A what now? Well, just the comeback, comeback kid 95 tweeting, agreed, Boylan Caserta should be tag team next Friday. Pete the body, make it happen. Huh. No, he can. He's got the power. He has the power. He doesn't have the time. It's a busy Pete. It's a busy body. This is not on him. If it happens, great, but we can't ask for that favor from Pete. Leave Pete alone in this. I'll make a call or two. I will, I will check to see who is the host before the end of the show. I mean, you Hopefully we'll have an answer. I would have suggested doing that already, but whatever. I wouldn't want to tell you how to do your job.
5: Uh. <laughs> would you have someone to talk to?
3: uh hopefully for those of you who watched the a.com you enjoyed uh the heartbreaking sulk into his chair that i just got out of pete i appreciated it uh we do have somebody to talk to it's time to get to some u.s women's soccer sunday morning the end of their world cup they're the quarterfinal stage the rest of the way down under there's a lot to digest and to figure out for team usa from what happened down under and now they how they move forward from that Here to help us do that is Lisa Carlin from CBS Sports. Uh, Sears part of the attacking third on CBS Sports Network, uh, the Galazzo Network, and she is good enough to be with us here this morning. Lisa, it is Andrew. Good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning, Andrew.
0: Thanks for having me. Um, I'd be a little bit better if the U.S. was still competing in the World Cup, but... It's all right. We still have good action to talk about. <laughs> now,
3: but before we discuss soccer, uh, our mutual friend Mike Watts told me that you recently got married. So congratulations on that. That might be the most, the most important thing going on recently.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Mike Watts is a wonderful guy. Um, I, I have well, let's not get crazy. Wonder,
3: wonderful's <laughs> a lot. He's nice. Well, he's
0: a bit of a jokester, but <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> uh,
3: have you guys played the word search game on air where people send in words you got to get into your broadcast okay
0: yes yes and one of the actual craziest things that happened while i was calling a game with mike Watts is there was a spider in our booth and i muted my mic and i just smashed it against the wall with with like my papers and my boards and he turns around and on air he's like did you just kill a spider in here? (laughs) And everyone thought it was part of the word search, and it wasn't. It was how the game was unfolding. It was a rainy day in Orlando, and the spiders came in.
2: (laughs)
3: All right, so as we get to the U.S. women's national team, we've had four full days now to process the end. Um, With the extra time, what's the most frustrating part of the entire World Cup experience for them in, in your eyes right now?
0: The most frustrating part about the U.S. in this World Cup run is that they couldn't finish their chances even in the last game uh, against the netherlands they had 22 shots 11 of them were on frame and none of them found the back of the net uh, it, it, against sweden excuse me that was the most frustrating that they were doing all of the hard work of making sure they only conceded two shots on goal the entire tournament two shots that's incredible defense but they couldn't finish on the other end. And that's what's frustrating when you look at the roster and the prolific goal scorers, Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, Trinity Rodman, Lynn Williams, and that they couldn't find the back of the net.
3: And I'm guessing there's not one explanation for that. It's a combination of maybe technical errors on their part, obviously great goaltending from Sweden in particular on Sunday, maybe nerves on the big stage. I'm, I'm guessing all of those things in your mind come together to create the offensive struggles.
0: They are all factors, of course. Even you look at the first couple of games, I mean, against Netherlands, the team that the United States drew to in the group stage, they couldn't even find their forwards. So Alex Morgan wasn't getting on the ball. Sophia Smith, Trini Rodman, they weren't even having the opportunities to shoot and create chances because they had a hard time getting the ball and and keeping it. So it was formational, tactical structure, and, of course, the opposition, as you mentioned, Sweden's goalkeeper, uh, Mucevic, fantastic, I mean, player of the tournament so far for me.
3: Lisa, you, you were a player yourself. Walk me through, I, I guess, the dynamic of those first three group stage games, if you, as you've said, were not great. But then the U.S. really played kind of peak performance against Sweden in the round of 16. How as a team do you go from the three lackluster efforts and then just a couple of days find your stride like that?
0: So much about the World Cup is is getting into good form and taking it day by day and and really looking at the job ahead of you and making sure you complete that. The first three games for the United States are in the group stage. The only goal for the team is to get out of the group stage. So that's either finishing first or second in their group. And they did that. Of course, they didn't perform the way they wanted. Head coach Vlasman and talked about that even throughout those group stages. But the way that teams tend to grow throughout this tournament because it's such quick turnarounds is – getting your footing in the first game, growing and winning points in the second game, and then the third game is getting out of your group and making sure that you've you've secured a good seating moving forward to the round of 16. The US didn't necessarily do that because against Vietnam in the opening round, they only won 3 nothing. That was their opportunity to build up goal differential. That way, when it comes down to a tie against Netherlands, who is an incredibly talented team, you're not relying on them to underperform. Rather, you're already relying on your goal differential, and that's where the U.S. failed throughout the group stage. However, once they made it to the round of 16, you turn the page. You're on to a different challenge, and now it's survive and advance at this point so they did their job on paper up until the round of 16 where then they fell flat in penalty kicks against Sweden by the slimmest of margins but as I mentioned before it comes down to scoring the goals in the run of play they should have finished the game in the first 120 minutes
3: this is Lisa Carlin of CBS Sports with us here on CBS Sports Radio uh, you've mentioned his name Vladko Andonovski, the head coach uh, of this women's team so this is a, a, a two-pronged question Should he remain head coach? Will he remain head coach?
0: No, Andrew. He should not and he will not remain the head coach. Uh, His contract has been up after this World Cup in 2023. He took over in 2019, um, has only won four games in major tournaments. That's the Olympics in Tokyo and now this World Cup that, that we just completed. He has lowered the expectations of the United States, and he, he didn't reach them. And that's a really hard thing to do. He was given an impossible task, an impossible job. COVID threw things into the mix, players then realizing that they weren't going to be able to play for their season, so they're going to continue and start their families, and now they're coming back. I mean, there's a lot of factors flown, thrown at Glasgow Andinovsky. However, he should not remain head coach, and I don't think he will.
3: Do we know what kind of the timeline would be for actually Parting ways with him, like an official announcement from them?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know in particular. You have to imagine it would have to come very quickly, though, because the Paris Olympics are less than 12 months away. And in order for this team to bounce back, stand on a podium at the end of the Olympics, they need new management in place immediately. That way, new structures can be created, new tactics, formations, new players called in, so they continue to get those minutes. The team is probably still on their way back from from Australia and New Zealand. Matt Crocker is the head of U.S. soccer. He, he's new in that position. And we just saw on the men's side how extensive the interview yeah. process, yeah. the re-interview process was for Greg Berhalter. It was 10 hours in a Manhattan office after rounds and rounds of interviews and investigation. So it's going to be a long process. Um, I imagine they've already written their list of top candidates potentially starting to say, okay, who is a realistic person on this list that we could contact?
3: Uh, any names that you've heard that make a lot of sense to you?
0: The top names to take over the U.S. position that make sense to me, Lauren Donaldson, he, he is the head of the Jamaican women's national team. He brought them to their first ever Olympics in 2019, brought them to a round of 16 uh, where they unfortunately lost against Colombia. But he turned the team around. He created new tactics and new formations. He did a great job there. Um, uh, other names that have been floated out there are Laura Harvey. She's a club coach in the NWSL at OL Reign. She's been in the league since its inception in 2013. She was actually one of the finalists along with Black Manonofsky for the role in 2019. However, I don't think she's going to want to leave what she has right now in Seattle with her team. She just signed a contract extension. Um, I mean, Emma Hayes is the equivalent of Laura Harvey in the Women's Super League. She's been at Chelsea, won a number of trophies, but she doesn't have a a lot of international coaching experience. There's options out there. It's a matter of who fits the program best and what U.S. soccer is is looking to bring into their, their program, right? Lauren Donaldson has the success from being at Jamaica. He's from Colorado. He's an American. That could be a really good fit.
3: Do they have to make more changes than just the head coach, like infrastructure changes? If the rest of the world is catching up, do we need to tweak things now pre national team to get back our edge in this sport?
0: The beauty of the women's game growing up is that, and like getting bigger and better, is that the the gap has been closed. And that's the coolest thing that's happening. So the United States is on the right track. They've been a leader in that, whether it's developing their youth programs and calling players in that are younger, having a top tier women's professional league in the United States. Those are all things that so many other nations just don't have and the resources. However, as the floor begins to raise with all these other nations, the U.S. needs to continue to raise the ceiling and continue to do that. So infrastructure wise, no, I think there's a relatively good system in place It it comes down to the manager and the coach because this former team that just closed out the world cup they couldn't switch formation in game they couldn't change task, tactics they have one style of playing and they couldn't execute it so when that fails they had no other options to go to that's what needs to change they need to rely on these players soccer iq and and put them in positions to succeed and and positions literally literally on the field and figuratively in the structure and the system that the team
3: plays so whereas often conversations about the men's program become about systemic issues this is more just about a bad mix between roster and coach in uh, New yeah, York in your estimation. So. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, I think so.
3: Um Lisa, we know that Megan Rapinoe is done. We know that Julie Ertz isn't going to play anymore. Do we know Alex Morgan's national team future yet?
0: Hey, Alex Morgan after this World Cup said I'll be back. You just wait. She, she wants another one. Um, she wants another World Cup. She came back after having her daughter, Charlie, a few years ago and, and came back stronger than ever. Her first season back, won the Golden Boot, was back on the national team, scoring goals for them. She wants to continue to win and succeed at the international level. So I don't think she's going anywhere yet.
3: Lisa, thank you so much for coming on with us this morning. We've had uh, very novice soccer conversations all week coming off the match on Sunday. So we needed an expert uh, and you delivered. Thank you so much. I'm assuming you're going to see Mike before I do. So tell him I said hello uh, and hopefully (laughs) we can meet in person too sometime down the road.
0: I will do that. Thank you so much, Andrew. Have a great day.
3: Thank you. You too. Lisa Carlin, CBS sports. Uh, The Galazzo network is doing a great job. If you love soccer, uh, I'm not saying this as a shill uh, I think CBS Sports, their crew through UEFA, the stu- that UEFA Champions League um, studio crew is amazing. The new show in the morning with our good friend Susanna Collins, friend of the show, they seem to be crushing it, attacking third, which Lisa is a part of, is on there as well. Plus, there are so many games. So, again, I'm not shilling for the company in Paramount Plus or whatever it's called, but if you like soccer, it's a pretty good investment because they're doing a really, really good Job covering the sport, and we thank again Lisa for jumping on. And again, I I'm not. This is not hyperbole. The man hour is spent in trying to track down a soccer guest because either people are still at the tourney, and therefore the time difference, which is I think 16 hours ahead of us in the eastern in the eastern time zone, it's making it nearly impossible. Because as we're coming on the air, they're done for the day, and. I guess as we're finishing up a day and it's kind of there late morning, early afternoon, trying to tape something from that vantage point and flip it around is not the most technically easy thing for us. So it's been really hard. Ryan's on his own. I'm on my own. I got a voicemail yesterday from a guy basically saying, please forgive me for failing you on this. And I had to call him back <laughs> and go, it's really okay. But uh, we were hoping to have somebody who actually knows soccer to come on And walk us through everything. Uh, And Lisa, as I said, certainly delivers. We thank uh, her for jumping on. Hopefully she becomes uh, a regular voice here on the DA show. Uh, Thirsty Thursday is almost done. More time for your Booskies. And, um, hmm. What should we do in the epic fail? What were our choices from today's show? Did anything crazy happen? Bathroom breaks? We did have bathroom breaks. And Pete basically telling John Rahm to have oopsies. That is an option. Uh... Michael Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen's no hitter. We heard a lot about that this morning. I guess we could. There's probably something in stun to a news about a thieving bear. I mean, <sighs> eh, I don't know. We'll see. Poll results, advanced analytics. All that's next. DA Show, CBS Sports Radio.
1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Analytics is just a term that's kind of thrown around a lot.
3: It's time now for the Mothership's Advanced Analytics. Today's poll question came off of Miles Jack, NFL player, who's got plenty of money in the bank, saying that before he signed with the Eagles, he was considering being an electrician or a plumber because he just couldn't sit at home and do nothing despite said money in the bank. So we asked, if you didn't need a paycheck, would you still work? And I'll be honest, I'm surprised by the breakdown here. You didn't win, but more of you said yes than I thought. 36% of over 100 voters said yes, they would still work, even if they didn't need the paycheck. Now, I guess if you combine the other two, it's a little bit of a route. Just straight no at 43% of the responses. Then another 21, including myself, said definitely not. No chance. So I'm with you on that front. Now... If you would have won the recent Mega Millions jackpot, before taxes, you could have bought three and a half Georgia aquariums, so that's cool. About 50.5 million people quit their jobs in 2022. Rod Stewart quit his job as a gravedigger to pursue his music career. Works and, you, out well. and you would only need to win the previous $1.5 billion Mega Millions three times to afford in NFL team. Those, your advanced analytics. Now your epic fail. Of course, it is the stun to a news double that we got today from Peter Schwartz. Even the D.A. show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail.
4: Well, now we, uh, we like to continue these animal stories i like to do them when we when i fill in here on on stun and here's another one hank the tank bear behind 21 home invasions has been captured near lake tahoe
5: a 400 pound black bear known as hank the tank was captured on friday with her three cubs by california wildlife authorities
4: a large black bear known as 64f was captured by state authorities in the area around lake tahoe california this past Friday after being responsible for at least twenty-one home break-ins. This oh, is according goodness. to California Department of Fish and Wildfire.
3: Hank the Tank is apparently responsible for at least twenty-one home break-ins, officials said. And she is being <laughs> shot and skinned for her fur later this week. Well what I don't understand is if you didn't catch him in somebody's living room, how do we know that this bear is the bear they're looking for? Are they doing Maybe he left evidence? Apparently they traced the bear DNA from these home break-ins back to her. But hold on. Hold on. Hank is actually one of three bears responsible for the rummaging and ransacking incidents that took place mostly last year. Well, the last I'm saying are they doing like are they the DNA, test? DNA tests? DNA test out of like Droppings on the scene of the crime. Is he leaving paw prints somewhere? The t- on
4: the floor. DNA testing confirmed the bear. Oh, wait, captured... was, he, was he turn the faucets on and leaving? <laughs> DNA testing confirmed that the bear captured on Friday, who is formerly known as Bear 64F, was a female behind at least 21 cases of breaking and entering. What's more, she was trespassing with three young cubs in tow, according to the California Department of Fish and wildlife, wow. so... Wait, 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 hold on, I'm sorry. It's a... Yeah. you. Yeah, you heard that shoebox? Bob? Yeah. You, you were calling it Hank, but it's a she? Yeah, that's what they named it. They found out it was a she. These bears, they were, they were ripping off screen doors and parts of garage doors, rummaging
2: through garbage, scratching cars, and one ripped off the siding of one house in a possible attempt to enter the house.
3: Wow, like the Kool-Aid man? They're just running through <laughs> walls now? <laughs> the suspect
4: has been apprehended along with
3: the accomplices. So... Everyone in South Lake Tahoe can now rest easy. Yes, and go on with their lives. Unless we get a copy bear, a copy bear robber that follows in the footsteps of not Hank the Tank. What? That story's remarkable. And this just happened, right? Last week. Surprised we didn't hear it earlier in the week.
2: Epic fail, you loser.
3: Yeah. This is why you fail. Ah, fail. Uh, Schwartzie. And great editing by Ryan Bocher. That was Boyle on Monday, Schwartzy on Thursday, unknowingly delivering the same story. I mean, I, I guess we could have <laughs> some kind of stun to a news database, as we're for any Finland anchor to know what has come up in previous days or weeks, but we don't, and this is what happens. And now when I also send my stuns to the group. But, but he usually
5: asks. Right. He did not ask today. Whoops. And do you think he's, he knows now that he had a double story?
3: No. No, he does not. As evidenced by other things, he is not listening to this show when he's not in the room. Because he hasn't also heard us throw to him to start Trash Tuesday or Thursday Thursday when he wasn't here. <laughs> then he did the Thursday anyway. Yes. And I, I don't know. Thank you or not to the folks who told us that he had we had done this already <laughs> i don't know if you think that pete and i are dumb or good actors so i don't know if it's a thank you thing or a wtf thing but i was gonna spoil i was gonna come in and immediately and drop the hammer and pete said no 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 no, let it go pretend like we never heard this before and that was the correct play so one last booski to pete for that And now we're going to go home and enjoy the rest of your Thursday. A huge thanks to Brett McMurphy, to Lisa Carlin, to you listening and watching, to Pete, to Botcher number four, to the other Pete, and again to you. Have a great day. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow back here to close out the week. But for now, focus is in the car. The mothership disconnects.